Match believes that adults date better. Because when you date as an adult, you get to be a little irresponsible with really responsible people. Rip the clothes off someone who actually knows how to put them away. Fall stupidly in love with someone who's actually really smart. Forget being hot. Get them to ugly laugh. Ready to crush on someone who makes you feel whole? If you know who you are and what you want in a relationship, Match is the place for you. Adults Wanted. Download the Match app today. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following program belong solely to the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of this radio station, our parent company, advertisers, or affiliates. Welcome to Sharing Our Stories. We share stories of support for individuals in recovery from substance misuse and mental health-related issues. There are numerous pathways to recovery, and each week we welcome powerful leaders and role models who have struggled in drug and or alcohol addiction, have found a pathway to recovery, and who thrive as positive community members with an ongoing vision of success. Join us as we share our experiences, strength, and hope. When the world says, give up, hope whispers. Try it one more time. Hello, and welcome back to Sharing Our Stories. Thank you so much for joining us. This program right here, uh, hosted by myself, Slim, and Tomas Hernandez, is all about addiction and recovery. We do this program each week in the hopes that by sharing our stories of addiction and and recovery, we can hopefully help somebody in the Mile High or or anywhere in the world uh, decide that, you know what, recovery is for me, and I'm going to start my pathway to my recovery. So I want to thank Tomas Hernandez as my host. And uh, the CEO, chief, chief in charge <laughs> of Tribe Recovery Homes and uh, the sponsor of this program, Tomas, thank you so much uh, for all that you do here in the Mile High for folks in recovery. Right on. Good to, good to um, be on the radio, and it's really an honor to be up on this show. I've been on this show a couple times before I got the honor to sponsor it and to be a, a host. Um, Tribe has been um, – was an infant – when we first started it was it was like the baby yeah recovery home yeah i had like six hundred dollars and like four guys out the pen and that's how i started tribe and now we're up to almost 130 140 beds um from here to, to nevada to las vegas so it's really uh it's crazy that that uh we get to be honored and humbled every day by everybody's stories on this because basically it's not about just promoting tribe it's about the people on the show and it's about the other organizations like the young lady you're about to hear from her and her husband got a great new startup that's actually blowing up that's going to be a major contender in colorado and in the sober living industry and it's going to be awesome to watch that grow and blossom and support that so it's amazing to have that situation going um about tribe you know tribe is uh it's a grassroots uh uh, started as a, a recovery home. Now we have treatment centers, Medicaid bill treatment centers, and also at the same time, um, reentry. So we have this kind of model out there. If you do drugs, you drink too much, you get in trouble. You come to try. We're going to help you get through your pre and your post incarceration situation. We're going to try to make it as easy as possible, get you through the court case and or get you alpha probation, parole, supervisors released. If you want to get a hold of us, call us at uh, 720-60-TRIBE, 720-60-TRIBE, or 720-608-7423. Forget <laughs> my number, 720-608-7423. But the easiest way is just to go on www.triberecoveryhomes.com. That's www.triberecoveryhomes.com, and hit apply here. And we're going to have somebody call you back. And if we're not a fit for you, we're going to find somebody that's out there that we work with that's going to be a fit. You know, so uh, like I said, we are a Medicaid build. We don't take private insurance on, on any of the, the housing, but we do work with that on the outpatient on some levels to get that done. So give us a call. If you need any type of other resources, we're available for that. But like I said, that's the commercial for today, <laughs> the sponsorship commercial for today, because I'm really excited to hear about Bree's life, sober living, um, her husband's great things, you know, what they have for the future, you know, what recovery means to her, how near and dear it is, how she made it all the way out here to Colorado from where you're from, you know, all those great things. Let's go. 
<laughs> Just like that. All right. Uh, Mahai, our guest, this, uh, our guest this program is Brie Mahana, um, the coolest last name, Mahana. Uh, she's from the Yo, which I just found out is Youngstown, Ohio, which I, I, I didn't know to call it the Yo. I don't win got messed up out there if I knew it was called the Yo. The Yo, like, yo Let's go. Yo, let's, let's go. Let's go, man. We're going to Ohio. The Yo. Um, but she's our guest today, Bree Mahana. Uh, we want to thank her for being here. Uh, I can't wait to hear about the program too. So you gotta, you gotta, you have a lot to say in the time that you have. But I hope we can get to you talking about what you guys are doing uh, here and helping with people in recovery. So our guest today, Bree Mahana, and uh, she's going to be taking over here now on sharing our stories. All right, thank you guys. Um, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, I wrote some notes here, but I'm only going to go over those a little bit, basically just for the introduction. Um, my name is Bree Mahana. Um, I'm 30 years old. Um, I'm mixed, so I'm half black and I'm half white. I'm a three-time felon. I'm a recovering addict, but I'm also a wife, a daughter, and a successful business owner. Um, and I'm in long-term recovery from heroin and meth. Um, whew. Sorry, still a little bit nervous. Um, addiction. So my addiction really began, and to really understand it, um, starts with my roots. So I'm from Youngstown, Ohio, which is a really small city um, in Northeast Ohio. It is right by Sharon Line, um, Pennsylvania. Um, just to give you a perspective of how poor it is, uh, the median annual income in Youngstown is $30,000. Um, in Denver, it's around 117, 100, yeah, 100,000, 100, right around that range, Bro. right? So that's just a perspective shift. It's super poor. It's predominantly black. Um, and I grew up in my childhood home, right? Um, from birth, Till about 10 years old, my life was pretty okay. Um, I didn't start realizing we were extremely, extremely poor um, until around the age of 10. So I grew up in a house with four different generations. So it was my great-grandma Dubois, um, my mom, her parents, so my grandpa and my grandma, and then my dad, um, me and my sister, and then my mom's sister who is my aunt right um we are a really close family like i said there was a bunch of us living in the same house i have a bunch of good memories from when i was younger um the older i got um you know you can't really put into perspective elderly right when you're that young so you don't start you know realizing like people are getting old they're getting sick they don't have that much life left in them when you're eight, nine, 10 years old. Um, my great grandma, her health declined. Um, I don't really remember it because I was so young, but I have a lot of memories with her. And it was just like one day I went to sleep and the next day I woke up and she was gone, right? So my first funeral was at either seven or eight years old. Um, and that was really hard on me. Um, we didn't really talk about it. You know, we knew... Grandma Dubois was gone, but no one ever said, okay, you know, when someone passes, these are natural feelings that you have. You know, this is grief. This is sadness. You're going to feel anger, right? Um, we just didn't really talk about it, right? We cried. We went to the funeral, um, and that was about it. Then it was life as normal, right? Um, so my mom and my dad, super dysfunctional. Um, a lot of my early memories were them of them were, you know, them arguing, yelling back and forth, me and my sister being in the room. So my sister's 18 months younger than me. So we would share, you know, bunk beds in the same room, right? And we would listen with our ears up on the door, just hearing them scream and yell and fight, um, throw stuff, right? I never really, you know, I until I knew I was having this interview, I didn't really think about these little, you know, minuscule things that happened in my childhood that probably led to, you know, me having such of an impact in my addiction, I guess I'll say. Um, at the age of nine, um, 
my grandpa started getting sick. Um, like I said, I was really close with my Papa Dave and my Grandma Judy. Um, I found him laying on the floor in his bedroom, face down. They called the ambulance, um, went to the hospital, and you know, next thing I knew, he was sick. Right? I knew they were getting older, and at this age, I'm like, okay, I'm understanding. You know, old age means death. Right? At some point. Um. So. My mom got pregnant with my brother around the same time. Like I said, I was young. Um, At that same time where my grandpa was sick, my mom got pregnant. Um, My mom and my dad announced that they were having a divorce, right? My dad was going into the military. Um, He was traveling a lot. He was in the ROTC program. So basically at that point, he was out of the picture, right? He left my mom while she was pregnant. And I saw the effects of that had on her like tremendously. Um, Right after my brother was born, I was there when he was born, very traumatizing. Do not recommend it. If you have younger kids, do not take them to see you have your child, okay? That's too much, right? Do not do that. It scars them. Mom, if you watch this, you messed up, all right? (laughs) Um, So I knew I didn't want to have kids. Let's put it like that, right? Um, After my brother was born, my Papa Dave was alive, I want to say for a few months, and then he died. Um, That was really, really, really hard. Um, I remember attending his funeral, um, and just within such a short span of time, people that I lived with, I was around since birth, you know, I have all these wonderful memories of, are just dropping, right, like flies, And I didn't know how to cope with it, right? Um, My mom, she lost her dad. She lost her grandma, right? She was 20 when she had me, and my dad was 17. So they were children raising children, right? And that just adds into that generational curse, I'd say, that we pass down of kids having kids and not having the maturity to raise them and teach them responsibly, how to cope, right? And my family definitely missed that with me and, the, and my sister. Um, so my papa passed and I'm a little bit older now, um, but you know, there's not as much income in the house, right? This is when I really started realizing like we were dirt poor, right? I was going to Catholic schools, private schools. So I'm seeing all the kids around me talk about their families and I'm, Like, this is not what it's like in my home, right? So it's actually starting to click in my mind that we are like poor, poor, poor. Um, And then I entered high school. And a year before I entered high school, my grandma was diagnosed with cancer. Um, And my grandma, I considered her like my mom, right? Um, Watching her, and they all smoked, right? I have, on my mom's side, I have no alcoholics i have no drug addicts on that side of the family not that i know of anyways from what i've been told i mean they occasionally drink um but they definitely smoke cigarettes which is just as bad right because my grandma had cancer and she deteriorated quick i mean seeing her work you know being healthy as a child and then getting into those teen years um like i said i was in high school and My mom was working all the time, right? Because my dad's out of the picture and we need money. Um, Still living in the same childhood home. You know, it's been in our family for like six generations. Um, But the house is old and it's falling apart, right? So we're starting to have, you know, structural issues, issues with the roof, the roof leaking, right? So all these things accumulating on top of all the, you know, tragedy that's already happening in our household. Um, So I was in high school, but because my mom couldn't, you know, take care of my grandma, I would take my grandma to chemo and radiation, which is a whole nother monster in itself, right? Watching somebody get that sick. I mean, I remember the day that we cut her hair. We had to shave her hair because it was falling out and she looked ridiculous. Um, But it was hard. It was really hard. Um, And then my grandma passed. And I think... That is when, like, my emotions just, I didn't want to feel them, right? I was in high school, so I was already experimenting with weed and alcohol. 
Um, but my best friend at the time had a father who was on um, methadone. I don't know if they were methadone suckers. I think that's what they were in fentanyl patches, right? This is before fentanyl was as bad as it was. But we were getting them because he had like severe injuries, right? Um, and popping all of his pills. So I was smoking weed. I was drinking. Um, and then when my grandma passed, I found all of her pain medication. Um, when you have cancer, it's really painful. And they give you the best of the best, right? And this is back when there were pill mills. Doctors were prescribing Oxycontin, um, Opanas. I mean, any and everything you could think. You could go in and say your finger hurt, right? And they were giving you a script. Um, and this was in the early 2000s. And if you know, you know, right? Um, but you could get anything prescribed. Um, so I started popping my grandma's pills. And that's when I realized, wow, drinking's fun on the weekends, um, but smoking weed really isn't my thing. These pills, these are my happy pills, right? Um, and it got to the point where I was taking them every day um, consistently throughout the day. When I, I was playing sports, obviously, I hurt my elbow and I went to the doctor and they gave me a prescription of tramadol. Um, as a 13-year-old, you should not be on any type of opiates at all. Um, but if the doctor gave it to me, what's the problem? My doctor's pre prescribing me these pills, right? That was the mindset and mentality that I had. Um, it got out of control, right? So now I'm living in a home with me, my mom, right, who's supposed to be the adult at this time, <clears throat> excuse me, um, my sister who is, you know, 18 months younger than me, and then a little brother, a little baby brother, right? My mom goes into this ooh, severe depression where she's going to work and then she's sleeping constantly. And like, bless her heart, she was there for me through my addiction and I love her and she's a great mother, but she was a kid when she had me, right? And we like to put our parents up on this pedestal. I'm bringing this up not to blame, but... So you understand, right? Um, she went into a depression. Um, and I didn't know what depression was at that time. And I didn't understand, right? I just knew that my brother and my sister and I all had to be at school. We had to eat, right? Um, there are these responsibilities that needed to be taken care of. And my mom obviously was not in the right mind, mental space to be a mom. So I stepped in, right? Um, and that was really hard. So from the time my brother was born, essentially until, you know, we moved to Colorado in 2012, really, uh, I was taking care of my brother. I was taking them all to school. I was taking me to school. Then I was going and picking them up, you know, on top of popping these pills every day, right? I got up to popping 25 tramadol a day of 50 milligrams, right? For a normal person, you would overdose and die right? Like that is not healthy, but because I built my tolerance up to this, that's how many I was taking. Um, it was bad. And my mom told me I had a problem. Um, but I was like, these, my doctor's prescribing these to me, right? I'm fine. I'm good. You know, if it's so bad, then why is he giving them to me? Right. Um, at the same time throughout high school, I'm going to a very, um, rich private Catholic school. Um, and I'm going to school in the day, taking my brother and my sister to school and coming home and after picking them up and we have no running water, right? We have no electricity. Um, that was hard. It was really, really hard. Like we talk about poverty. Um, I was living in like third world circumstances in my home, in my childhood home in America, Right. Um, I remember the first time our water got turned off. My mom never explained this to me, right? She didn't tell us, hey, just so you know, the water's getting turned off. Hey, just so you know, I didn't have money to pay this bill. Just so you know, we need to buy candles or ask Miss Rosalind, bless her heart too, our neighbor for candles because lights aren't going to be on, right? Um, and that was extremely hard. Like living in a house um, with no running water, like, literally going to my next door neighbor's house, filling up these giant jugs of water, carrying them back into the house and then putting them in the back of the toilet um, because we couldn't flush our toilet, right? Putting 
pouring this water in a giant pan and then taking that boiling water to the tub and throwing it in the tub and washing up with the wash rag because you have no running water, right? These things in these circumstances did something to me that I just can't even like express in words, right? This whole time my dad's out of the picture, he's off doing whatever. I don't even care at this point, right? Um, partially because I felt like he abandoned us. Although as a kid, you don't realize that sometimes two people just aren't meant to be together, right? But you don't start comprehending these things until you're an adult, right? Um, so our hot water heater broke when we finally got our water turned on, right? We didn't have hot water. Um, I don't know. You guys can understand what it's like for winters in Colorado on the East Coast, 10 times worse. Um, so I have memories of laying on our bed with our dogs under, you know, all the blankets in the house, us all cuddling in the same bed because we were freezing, right? Because we didn't have heat. Um, so it got really, really, really bad. And when my brother, I don't even know what age he was, um, but my mom was like, you know what? We can't re we can't have him in this environment. I don't know what finally clicked for her. Um, I'm not sure why she didn't come to this conclusion earlier, right? We were living in these super dire circumstances, and we just existed like that for years, right? Um, and she decided, like, hey, we need to get your brother out of here. We're sending him to Colorado. Um, my aunt, my uncle, they're amazing. They took us in, and they didn't have to do that, right? Um, so she sent my brother first. And then her and my sister went, and I decided, you know what? I'm going to try and stay in Youngstown by myself. Worst decision ever. I lasted like a week, and then I called my dad because I'm in contact with my father at this point. You know, he's in the military. He's living nice. Um, reconnected that, you know, relationship, um, but it didn't work out. He came and got me, went to North Carolina because that's where he was staying at that point. Ooh, and... I lasted six months. It was not good um, at all, right? You don't just go from not talking to somebody for 12 years, 13 years, especially your daughter, your oldest daughter, right? Um, I had a lot of resentment, anger, and even hatred towards this man that I was numbing out because I was taking all these pills, right? So I wasn't, I was living in like an alternate reality, which was addiction, right? Um, you're numb, you don't feel emotions. Um, you know, you feel certain ways, but you're like, ah, whatever, F it, right? Um, that was kind of my thinking. I was just on autopilot. So I was like, hey, my dad will take me, right? Um, I lived there for six months. Um, I actually started cutting myself because I was so depressed. Um, and um, I ended up going to Colorado. Sorry. Take your time. Take your time. I told myself I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> um, so I missed my mom, my brother, and my sister. So um, I came out, which was supposed to be for Easter vacation, and I just never went back. Um, when I got to Colorado, what I realized is I – sorry um, – I could not get the pills that I was taking in Ohio, right? I grew up there. I knew everybody there, and I had all the connects, right? Everybody knew me. That was my neighborhood. So I could get anything I wanted, essentially, whenever I wanted, even if I didn't have money, which wasn't good, but that's just what it was, right? Everybody loved me um, for all the wrong reasons, might I add. Um, but I had a really, really hard time getting, you know, Tramadol, Oxy-30s, um, Opanas, people didn't even know really what those were out here. So I was like, this is a problem, right? Because I need to feed this addiction. I stopped getting prescribed. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Um, I stopped getting prescribed the tramadol when I was in North Carolina because they're like, dude, you haven't been here in like a year. We can't keep prescribing you all these, you know, opiates. That's not how this works. So I found a solution, an app called Whisper. It's a completely anonymous app, and I don't recommend this, but this is what addiction will do to you. Um, I went on there, and I just posted. You don't post any pictures. You just write text, and it goes out to a certain mile radius, right? 
and I was like, does anybody have pills? And I would meet up with these complete strangers with a knife (laughs) just to make sure um, if anything happened to me, I'd have some type of weapon. Um, And I did this in North Carolina, too, like a complete idiot. Like, I should have not. Addiction will put you in so many positions that you should not be in, bro. It's crazy. Just know that. If you take anything from this story, it'll lead you down a path that and put you in positions you should you have no business being in, right? But um, so I was meeting with these random people on Whisper, and they were selling me pills, right? So I'm like, oh, well, if that worked in North Carolina, it'll work in Colorado. Um, the problem was I was living in Parker at this time, and um, Parker is suburbia, and it's not like Denver. So I would literally steal my mom's car, and it was to the point where my mom was hiding her purse and her keys under her pillow when she slept because I was just stealing any and everything I could. Yeah, I didn't forgot to add that in, but I was stealing whenever, however, doing whatever it took to get bread to go get pills, right? Because at this point, I hadn't transitioned into heroin. Um, So yeah, I would steal my mom's car, drive to Denver, get lost in downtown Denver and try and find my way back because either my phone was dead I am directionally challenged. So I, if you drop me anywhere, like even somewhere like I'm similarly familiar with, I won't be able to find my way home. It's just what it is, right? Um, So that's how I got familiar with the Denver area was getting lost in downtown at like three o'clock in the morning, finding people for pills. Um, Somehow, and I can't remember how, because drugs affect your brain and your memory. So I can't exactly pinpoint how I met the group of people I was hanging around, um, but I did. I think, I think I met somebody downtown, and they were like, oh, well, if you're looking for pills and you can't find anybody, have you ever tried black? And I was like, no, what is that? You know, He was like, here, let me give you my plugs number. All right, so it was a chick, and I was really, really sick, and couldn't find any pills. And if you've ever been dope sick off opiates, bro, you're like, whatever, just make it stop, right? Because quitting isn't an option, right? You're not gonna just be like, oh, well, I'll just go cold turkey and be sober. That's not how addiction works, right? So I was like, oh, well, is it gonna make me feel better? And they're like, Psh, it's basically the same thing as taking pills. You know, it's just a drug, right? But it's it's literally just like pills. So I was like, all right, you know, Screw it. Let's do it. Um, So I started smoking heroin off foil. And I was like, damn, this is so much cheaper, right? Oxy 30s are 30 bucks a pop. I can get, you know, know, a half gram of black and be good for three days, right? That doesn't last long, though. But I was early in my addiction that it, I hadn't gained my tolerance up that high. It only took six months before I started shooting dope. Like, that's how quick it is, right? Um, The girl and I got really, really close. And she was like, you're already out? Like, you should just do a shot, you know? Um, And I was like, well, I don't know how. And she's like, here, stick out your arm, you know? And I know when I eventually was on the streets, um, if somebody never shot dope, I would never be the first person to do it to them. Um, and that's just how it was when I was on the streets, but obviously she didn't abide by those rules. Right. But there's really no rules to the game. Let me tell you that now. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I started shooting dope. Um, and with heroin, meth is like hand in hand with it. Right. Um, I did whatever it took. I eventually moved out with, moved out of my mom's apartment. Um, and she never kicked me out. Let me say through this whole time, she supported me. And I did some, like, unbelievable and, like, tragic things to my family. And through this whole time, they stuck by my side. And I talked to them every day. And I'm one of the lucky ones um, that I have such an amazing family that didn't kick me to the curb and never talked to me again. Because that's a real thing, too, right? Um, But I was on the streets and I didn't have a job, right? So I did whatever it took and that was committing crimes, right? So I ended up 
getting locked up a few times, but I'd never been in trouble before. So you're released on like PR bonds and you get in and out, right? The first few times you're like, eh, slap on the wrist, right? Because I had no criminal history. Um, In that time, I ended up homeless on the streets of Denver, um, living in a tent, right? Um, Just living on the streets. And let me tell you, it might be a lot colder in Ohio than it is in Colorado, but if you're outside with nothing in a tent, Colorado's pretty damn cold, okay? Um, I was sleeping on the Platte River um, by the RTD bus station, going into King Supers, grabbing whatever I needed, skating how. Um, I was a gutter punk, right? Um, and what that really means is we're all just all messed up together, and we're going to make a cool name for it. Really not cool. Um, but that's what I did. Um, and I was in and out of jail. Well, the second to last time I got out, uh, it was winter, right? So it was like November, December, and I get sick really easily. Um, I was a sick child, um, not like terminal illness or anything, but I just got sick really easy. I have asthma and severe allergies, right? Well, I was skating around in downtown Denver and it was snowing and it was zero degrees outside and I had on a hoodie and, you know, sweatpants with the backpack on my back and I was just skating, you know, just doing whatever, no sense, just going wherever the wind took me. Well, I got pneumonia um, and I was shooting at this time, of course, I never stopped and I started to get really, really sick, like, so sick i'm like i need to like even do a shot to get up and like stand up straight like i got really really sick really fast um i can't even explain to you what it feels like when you know you're dying right it got to the point where i couldn't walk on my own i was coughing up blood really bad i couldn't breathe i had a constant fever this went on for a month until Um, I went up into a stairwell. Somebody carried me. They left me up there for four days, might I add. They came back and got me four days later. And I was that sick. And he saw it that he was like, we have to take you to the hospital. So I went to the hospital and um, I got so paranoid. I was like, I have a job interview. I got to go. And they're like, you do not have a job. You know what I mean? Looking at me crazy. Um, but I was spun out of my mind. I ended up going to a friend who lived in a motel off of West Colfax and I laid on his floor for like two days. Um, I couldn't get up to go to the bathroom. Um, I literally told him I'm dying. I think I'm going to die. Something's wrong with me. And then they finally picked me up, put me in the back of their Jeep and drove me to a hospital. Um, They put me in a wheelchair, wheeled me in, and the nurses came and rolled me in because, of course, if I died, they didn't want to be associated with that. That's how the game goes, right? Um, I tried to give them my correct information and tried to spell my name right, tried to give them my right birthday, and I don't remember anything. Well, I'd went into a coma. Um, I woke up, I think it was like eight days later, Again, bless my mom's heart. They called her and they're like, we think you're, we don't think your daughter's going to make it. We think she's going to die. Um, you need to get here immediately. Um, I woke up handcuffed to a bed, intubated. So a tube down your throat. It's because you can't breathe on your own. And um, in sheer panic, right? They told me that my right lung had gone septic. It was from the meth use. Um, I had severe damage on my heart. And there was like a 90% chance that I was going to die <laughs> during the surgery. They're like, this is something that only happens to older people, um, like 65 and up. Um, we've never seen you know, somebody this young have this disease. It's called pneumococcal pneumonia. And it's literally my lung was septic, right? Nobody in the hospital, all these people I thought were friends, you know, who cared about me, Never came and saw me in the hospital, right? Um, My mom let me use her Kindle to go on, like, Facebook and Facebook Messenger. And I was like, hey, they're going to take out my right lung. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Can you come in? Nope. No one came and saw me, right? Not one person. Um, But thankfully, my family was there, right? My mom, my brother, my sister. My dad was overseas. He was on tour because he's in the military, in the Army. Um, He got on a plane and came 
to Colorado because he's like, my daughter's about to die, you know? Um, it was terrible. I was in the hospital for four months. Um, thankfully, I survived my surgery. I um, had to relearn how to walk because I couldn't get up and walk, right? Um, I couldn't breathe on my own. So they had to do all these like exercises where they forced air down my throat to open up my lung because I wasn't breathing on my own, right? Um, it was terrible. I couldn't shower, right? Because I just had this major surgery where they removed my right lung. Um, I couldn't get water on it, right? They stapled me shut. Um, it was awful. And you want to know what the most messed up part about all of that is? I got released. I went to my aunt's house because I couldn't be alone, because I couldn't walk, because I couldn't breathe, because I just had my lung removed. On the 10th day of being out, I think I was like 80 pounds, right? And I'm like 5'2", five, 5'3", five, not a healthy weight. Didn't matter. 10 days after I was out of the hospital, I went and got 32 staples removed out of my side. Um, I removed them, painless. That night, I was on my mom's Kindle telling my friends, right, my homies, um, my fam my street family, come and get me and bring me a needle with black and clear in it. Come and get me right now. Here's my aunt's address. And just like that, I packed a bag, um, hobbled outside because I still can't really walk at this point. Shouldn't even have been moving around nonetheless, right? Almost just died. And the only thing I'm thinking about is getting high. Like that is how like devastating and all consuming and like, I, I don't even know if there's accurate words in the human language to describe addiction. But just imagine almost dying, leaving the hospital with one less organ, and then 10 days after getting 32 staples removed, you're like, where's the needle, right? But that was my mindset, right? That's how addiction is, and it's scary. But I didn't care. I was like, oh, I'm going on the streets. I, I couldn't even skate downtown because I literally was healing from getting my lung removed, right? Um, and people didn't even believe me at this point <laughs> and that I got my lung removed. They're like, damn, you've been gone for a while. I'm like, yeah, I almost died, right? So I went back to, you know, what I told myself. And these are the lies that addicts tell themselves. Oh, if I smoke, it won't be that bad. Well, as, as long as I'm not shooting, it's okay, right? And that's a lie I told myself. Um, I ended up getting arrested and I sat my ass down for a year. And in that year, um, a year is a long time, right? And now my husband's done 13 years and I couldn't imagine, right? But a year was enough for me, okay? Um, I didn't have the resources for like NA and AA, but I'm telling you being by yourself and being locked up for your birthday, for Thanksgiving, for the 4th of July, for Christmas, for all your family's birthday, things you don't even care about when you're in addiction, but being sober and going through all that emotion, it's like I worked through some of the steps accidentally just through guilt and shame and embarrassment, right? Um, I ended up going to the halfway house, right? Um, and... I worked, I worked. Like I didn't have any coping mechanisms. I didn't know how to deal with anything, right? I just knew that I had to pay this rent and I didn't want to be here and I got to hustle to get out of here, right? Um, and I worked and I don't recommend anybody doing that because it's not healthy. You're just using one thing to get over another thing without really healing or identifying anything that got you in that position in the first place, right? So that's one. But I got out of the halfway house and I met my husband actually at Taco Bell. I was his manager. Um, and yeah, I was your manager. Anyways, <laughs> um, he's my boss now, by the way. So that's not really a flex. But um, he came into my life and we were friends for a year. And he really opened, like he's older than me, not by a lot. Old man. But anyways, um, he taught me a lot, right? Um, and 
like put wisdom and a perspective into my life that I didn't have. And no one around me gave me that, right? And he's like, why are you working so hard? And I'm like, oh, you know, my mom told me, you know, life sucks, then you die, right? And he's like, actually, that's not true. That's not really like how life is. Your life is what you make it, right? Um, and he had all these amazing dreams and a vision and aspirations to open up this sober living home. And I'm like, Psh, we're not white. We're not rich, right? You're not an old white man. I'm not an old white man. How are we going to do this, right? Because that was my my perspective on the world, right? Because no one told me, hey, Brie, you can be a business owner, right? You can do whatever you want. You just have to work towards that, right? Um, but he came into my life and he showed me that, Um Ooh, so a year of our friendship, we ended up, you know, getting in a relationship and we opened our first business, right? I'm not going to make it seem like opening a business and operating a business is easy, right? Because it's not, it's hard, right? Um, it's unsecure, it's difficult, it's a learning process, um, but we did it, right? We opened our hot dog cart, Um and through all this time, I'm like learning how to heal, right? Like I'm, and I will be the biggest advocate for YouTube because everything we've learned, we've learned off YouTube, right? I want to remind you, I don't have a degree. I didn't go to college. I did graduate from high school, right? But I have no education and I'm at where I'm at because of the determination and like the desire to never be hungry or without water or without electricity again got me here, right? Um, whew, so we opened our hot dog cart and it was rough, right? That's a lot of work. Um, and we did all this because he wanted to open a sober living home and we needed the capital, right? It takes money to make money. That is true, right? Um, and we're like, how can we ask two people who are felons, who don't have any education at all with families that are poor and for generations and for generations haven't been anything but just workers, like laborers, bottom of the barrel laborers. How can people who come from where we come from get to where we want to be, right? So we needed a hack. Um, and what we did is, and it's hard if you're in your 30s or up, it's going to be hard for you if you want to do this. But we worked two full-time jobs, both of us. So between us, we had four jobs. We worked 16 to 18-hour days constantly, <coughs> right? We did this. He did it for a year. I did it for eight months because my body can't take it, right, because of what I've been through. <laughs> um, but we did it. Um, and we opened Authentic in December, right? So this is kind of the ending of my story. Well, I mean, it's not really the ending. Um I wish I had something inspirational to say about how I got out of addiction. I just knew that the doctors told me if I got high again, I would I would die, right? My body cannot take it. Um, I've damaged my body enough, right? Um, and I hated being locked up, right? So I was like, I cannot go back to this. And I'm not saying it was easy. Um, it was a struggle, right? Because I lived in Denver the whole time. And if you know, sometimes when I'm driving around, you know, downtown now, I see people that I used to get high with, right? Um, what I would recommend is cutting contact with any and everybody that you used to associate with, bro, because you are the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. And that is true, right? Um, I don't care if you have to bug a business owner or bug the, you know, the CEO at a business that you want to get to know, right? Do whatever it is you got to do to surround yourself with people that are up here and not where you used to be, right? Um, but so we met people in the industry, in the sober living home, the recovery community, and it was freaking hard, right? We have no education, and we're figuring it out as we go. We're still figuring it out, right? Um, but we wanted to do something and impact the world and everybody that we come into contact with that is struggling with addiction. Because you know, you hear all the time, especially from people who have never struggled with addiction, oh, you can just stop. 
it's not that hard. You're getting high because you want to get high, right? Um, it's it can't be that difficult. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you it is, right? Um, and there's people out there that need help, um, that need support, that need guidance, um, and that maybe just needs a hug, right? That are going through this. And this is the one field we can come into without any education, right? And do what our hearts are leading us to do in this world, right? It's our passion. Um, so we opened in December of two, oh yeah, this past December, actually, 2022. And like I said, I'm not going to say it's easy because it's not, right? Um, but it is what we were put on this earth to do. Um, you know, I have a really powerful story and I know that. And sometimes I forget that I have such a powerful story until I hear myself talking about it. Right. But if I have come from these circumstances, right, from living in a house with nothing, from not being able to process grief, from seeing, you know, basically grieving four family members within a five year span, right and drowning myself out with pills if i can come back from this anybody can right and your circumstances don't have to be as dire as mine right maybe you started drinking in college and you know you realize you never put down the bottle right but you come from a good family you come from a good home your parents put you through college right it doesn't matter you don't have to have a heartbreaking gut-wrenching story to be in to be impacted and to change right and I'm just blessed that we're in this position, right? I'm a little bit about authentic. Um, oh, I am the co-owner of Authentic Recovery Homes. It is a level one men's recovery residence in the Capitol Hill neighborhood of Denver. Currently, we only serve men. Um, we're going to change that uh, within the next six months to a year. We want to serve anybody and everybody that needs help, right? Um, but we have two gorgeous homes. We'll be opening our third in August. And um, you can reach me, I guess, at, I'm going to spell it out for you guys. It's all lowercase. It's B-R-E at A-U-T-H-E-N-T-I-C-R-E-C-O-V-E-R-Y-H-O-M-E es.com so that's brie at authentic recovery um you know we're in this field because we care about people and you know the funny thing about addiction is it doesn't care who you are where you are what color your skin is where you grew up at um what kind of a person you were in high school right it doesn't care about any of that right it affects any and everybody that comes into contact with it, right? Um, and it is all consuming. Um, what I will say is that we are a 12-step program, right? Um, but you don't have to be in 12-step to go through our program. There's other programs out there that you can go through to be in our homes. And if you're listening to this and you are struggling, and maybe you're a woman, um, maybe, you know, you can't come to our homes, reach out to me. Um, I'm really in the business for the people. And even if I can't serve you, you better believe that I'm going to help you find somebody who can, right? Um, I, we're really passionate about this and we care about people and addiction <sighs> is affecting so many people in our community and so many people are dying right there's fentanyl out here that is taking lives every single day right recovery is so important um and if you're listening and maybe you have somebody that's in active addiction tell them you love them right I know addiction can be hard it can be difficult I know it destroys family families it destroyed mine right but what i want to stress is that mom, my mom always told me she loved me no matter what i did no matter what i stole no matter you know i stole from my aunt i stole from my uncle right um but she always told me she loved me even if she was mad at me and she felt like she hated me right 
um, she always told me she loved me. And you don't want your last words to your loved one be, you know, you went in my purse and you stole money and I hate you. And then you never talk to them again because they've overdosed and passed away, right? This is how devastating, you know, fentanyl is in our community, right? Um, so I want to end, I guess, by saying, you know, I'm Bree. I am the COO of Authentic Recovery Homes. Um, we're located in Capitol Hill uh, in Denver. Um, my number, I'll just say it out loud, is 720-965-2944. If you're struggling, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're at in your addiction and or recovery. Like, if you need somebody to talk to and you don't have anybody, reach out to me. Like, I'm always open. You matter. And that's my story. That's awesome. And yeah. to your husband, yes. yes, she just gave Metro Denver her personal cell phone number. <laughs> okay. So don't get mad. <laughs> she gets a lot of phone calls. Um, he knows. He knows. <laughs> you said at one point, you know, I don't know what part of my story is inspirational, but I think the fact that you're a survivor is so inspirational. Thank you. You've survived so much. You also said that um, you came into this with no education. Yeah. But your experience is your education. True. And you have a lot of experience. Thank you. And I think you are very educated on the subject that you are taking care of, which is helping people in recovery. And a high five to you, girl. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you. You are like the epitome of a survivor story. <laughs> you know? Like, I had no idea that you had had a lung removed. I was just like, oh, this, when I met her before we started this program today, I was like, this is one badass woman. And now, like, you really are a badass woman. Thank you. You, you truly are. Um, and I just want to repeat something that you said, which I thought was so, so, so true, which is you are the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people, especially if you're still struggling in addiction, need to think about. You are the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. Uh, there's not a truer statement than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and as, as business owners don't ever, you know, my wife always tells me that I sell myself short because I sit there and I talk about my education. My education went through not just the streets, but learning from the different uh, environments I was in, the sober living community, the treatment community, the judicial community on the other side of the podium is, is something very, very interesting in, in itself that I've learned and grown from. What's great about what you're doing is you're never going to stop learning. Once you think that you know everything, you're in the wrong room. Oh, I know. You're definitely in the wrong room. and You got to get into the next room and have that courage like you always had. You know, you always got to find that water bucket and bring it home. Yeah. You know, that's like what you were saying in your story. You got to find that water bucket and bring it home. I'm very nice to know that you and your husband are very equally yoked. You guys are the yin and yang of each other's lives and making sure that things happen, um, doing it right, making sure that you hit, it's, you know, a lot of people get in this industry and they want to do it about money. You know what I mean? And it's not about money because, I mean, honestly, if you're doing sober living right, you're really not making nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you really have to, you have to really, really dig in and you have to really love the people and it's the, the fact of that the ones that stick are the ones that are patient, the ones that are willing to fail, that are willing to get back up again and to keep on fighting. Um, you know, using YouTube, using everything, I will read everything on earth. I'm the type of person, do not show me something in front of me. I'm going to, I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to put it in my notes. Like my staff members that are close to me, I probably got war and peace inside my little notepad from learning from people. <laughs> you know, they'll tell me like five things. I'll go into the restroom around the corner and put that in. That's my college. Yeah. That's my life. That's how I'm doing it. You know what I mean? And, and keeping that, 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 uh, that tenacity and that drive. A lot of things that I heard in your story is acceptance of pain. Yep. You're not, you're fearless. You know, you might be afraid of jail, but I think that's about <laughs> it. You know, you know, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, and that's good. You know, a lot of people, you know, I've, I've, I did a little bit under what your, what your husband's done. And, you know, some of us are just like, you know, give me two, three years. Cool. I thought I was going to get more than that. Yeah. You know, some people are like, man, six months is my whole life and I don't want to do that. You know, and, and those are those wake, wake up moments that that um, that uh, that you got to decide. Um, but the biggest pinnacle thing that I think and I know that I've heard um, that you're very lucky on and I share the same thing is the love of family members, even when we think that we're lost and we don't have them. Yep. You know, like my mother and father stayed there the whole time, the whole time. 
whether they're together, mine were together, yours were separated, but they show up. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's and that's a very blessed thing. You know, addiction will take you down those rabbit holes that you think you're alone, and you're really not alone. Yeah. You know, even on the streets, we're we're making our own subgroups, and we're figuring out what's happening. Um, but I just want to thank you for for coming on the show. I, I want to thank yeah. you for 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 what you do, what you and your husband do. I'm not even going to talk about tribe because I want to know everybody to know how to get a hold of all of you. So I would love for you to share your number and how to get a hold of you on your website and everything yeah. like that again. So they so everybody can find out what the beautiful things you and your husband are doing for these men downtown because we need more help downtown. Yeah. And uh yeah, just thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Can I do a quick shout out? Oh, come on. Okay. Uh, to my husband, um, he has taught me everything that I What's know. What's his name? Kelly Mahana. Kells. Papa Kells. Kelly, I love you. Um, you have taken me under your wing since you've met me. You've taught me everything that I know. Um, you're patient with me. Um, even when I didn't see the potential and when I didn't believe or trust in myself, you put trust and belief in me. Um, you've always seen my full potential when I couldn't even define what potential was. Um, he is really the visionary behind authentic recovery homes. Um, so I just want to shout out to him. I love you. And how you can get a hold of me is um, our website is one. So it's www.authenticrecoveryhomes.com. Um, there's a contact submission form on there that you could fill out. It goes directly to my phone. And again, my email is Bree, B-R-E, at authenticrecoveryhomes.com. Awesome. Awesome. Everybody put, write that down. And if you're struggling out there, you need help. You know, um, like-minded individuals that are there, you know, that we're not the only ones at my organization that work with people that have had ex-offenses, stuff like that. I am sure he's more than capable to get you through that if any other organization, including mine, are not available. That, if that's your first pick, that's what you love, that's what you heard, you connect with her story, you heard that information, yep. please call. Please get on that website. Please make sure that you get yourself there, but just do something. Don't just sit there in the wind. If you're sitting there contemplating, should I do this? I think this story is enough to let you know that you matter. Yep. That you, you deserve to live too. Right. You have two lungs. You have no excuse. <laughs> 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 a big shout out to your husband, Kelly, because, I mean, he did say to you, you don't just work and then you die. And when you said said that, that was another thing that stood out to me. And, yeah. you know, there's nothing like having a, a partner. You know, I don't mean a partner in crime, but a, a, a true partner. Yeah. You know. And yeah, mine's both. My wife is. Uh, stop with the crimes. Yeah, stop some of stop the stuff, with the crimes. You know, she, she has <laughs> this is one little nickname she got. We call her Big Tide. That's a little inside joke. But, you know, she got she got a little, 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 little ways about her. I got to be like, hey. I'm down, man. I'm in recovery. Man, chill out. You know, we, we don't ask anybody about their story before they come on. We literally go into this completely blind. And um, your survivor's story is something that was just, it was, it was, I'm really glad I got to witness and hear it. And thank, thank you. you for sharing it with me. Yeah. And if, with everybody else. Yeah. I appreciate your words so much. And uh, I look forward to the success and, and, touching base with you again in the future yep. about authentic recovery homes and uh, hearing more and you know it, it will be nothing for us to not in a couple of years bring you back and say I know we've heard it but for anybody who missed it let's tell this story again so thank you so much definitely yeah. let's get Kelly on here let's let's get him with Nani let's get him booked up on this on this calendar so he can do his story yeah you know, talk about it again and you know Slim is the founder of this program, and we've had a lot of amazing stories coming back. We love to see that because, you know, unfortunately, a lot we've lost to. Yeah. You know, we got a lot of people that we could, we could give some shout-outs to that are no longer here, and they're just so amazing of people that are gone that, that, that have blessed us on this show because that's addiction. Yeah. You know, so while you're alive and you're doing great, let's go. Let's, let's get on this show and keep, and keep living and keep, keep your recovery and figure out what your spiritual path is, you know, what, what your purpose is, what your purpose is. What was that last quote that you had that, that Slim brought up? 
I love that, what she was saying. You are the sum of the five people who you, who you surround yourself with? Yeah, y'all should make a t-shirt out of that. <laughs> For real? No, seriously. Yeah. Seriously. You can, make the, that, you can make that the slogan of authentic recovery homes. Huh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's a very factual statement. It is. Um, our guest today has been Bree Mahana from Yo! <laughs> Youngstown, Yo. Ohio. Yes. Glad I didn't know what that place was. But she calls uh, Colorado home. Yes. Um, Malhai, if you're listening to this and you're in addiction, please, she wants to hear from you. All right. You can go to her website, authenticrecoveryhomes.com. You can email her, Bree, B R E, at authenticrecoveryhomes.com. Um, and also, you know, as was said, like her mother stuck by her. Her mother always said, I love you. Tomas was talking about how his parents stuck by him. And if you're a family member, brother, sister, mom, uncle, grandparent, and you're listening to this or you're watching this, be there for your family member that's in addiction. Like you, we do this program for you too, so that you can relate to that family member and so that you can get, you can get those tidbits that make you understand what they're going through and relate to them and support them and, and show them love through what is a difficult time for not only them, but yes, it's difficult for you too. Um, it's difficult for you to witness. It's difficult for you to experience the things and to feel like you don't know how to help them. But sometimes it's as simple as just standing by them through it all and, and being a support system that tells them that, yes, you can recover. You can, you can do this. Um, want to thank you for tuning in with us, man, Bree, another high five. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Mahai, once again, it's AuthenticRecoveryHomes.com. You can contact her. I know she would love to hear from somebody who says, hey, you know what? I heard you, and um, I want you to help me or my family member. And uh, she would be right here for you. Uh, Tomas, Tribe Recovery Homes. Yes, sir. Thank yes, you for the work that you do in the city also. Yes, sir. Um, and once again, just the biggest, utmost respect to Bree Mahana from the <laughs> Yo. Yeah. Um, Mahai, this is Sharing Our Stories. You can find this program on our Facebook page. Just look up SOS Sharing Our Stories. You can also uh, find it on our YouTube page. And you can uh, download the audio for this uh, at flowdenver.com and jammin1015.com. And uh, we'll be here again Sunday. We're on every Sunday morning, 7 a.m. for sharing our stories. Thank you and have a great day.